You're listening to Recognise Red, the podcast, where we talk about the cultural impact of Me Too and the work that we still have yet to do. I'm Bea Hartshorn, and I'll be talking to campaigners, academics and creatives about the projects that they're working on to fight for gender equality. So today's guest is Gillian Kowalchuk, a speaker, consultant, CEO and founder of Safe in the City, a safety navigation app trying to tackle sexual harassment. So Gillian, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So what's the backstory to you becoming the founder and CEO of your own tech company? Oh, it it was a very um, strange and uh, twisty-turvy journey, to say the least. But um, yeah, I guess I'll start with um, when I moved to London, um, I was working in academia, ended up pursuing my public health master's degree, and um, yeah, found I was focusing a lot on um, gender and health inequities, uh, specifically around sexual harassment, which did deal with a lot of sexual violence, um, and was very much enjoying that work. But personally, there was a bit of a disconnect. Um, so I felt that uh, there was kind of something pulling me to look for something that I could also have an impact on that was actually also a problem in my life. And when I first moved to London, um, I'm quite a typical, um, I guess, navigation app user. I'm not great with um, probably navigating on my own, maybe a little bit too dependent on them. Uh, so kind of moving around the city as much as I did, I use that all the all of the time and started to realize that using the app didn't necessarily put me um, through places that I felt safe going to. And these are the kind of Google map or city map or the kind of probably most people have them on their phones. And it was, I guess, in that experience of recognizing this doesn't seem to be working with me and mine and speaking to a number of friends like that, um, it started to get me to think about actually how the application or the technology itself didn't have a gender lens uh, that I think needed to exist. Um, and so how Safe in the City really started was actually the light bulb moment experience happened when I was following a Google Maps to meet a friend of mine in Soho. I followed the route. Um, my intuition went off when it was telling me to go through this shortcut um, alleyway. I ignored it because I didn't really know any other route. Uh, and essentially, when it was empty, there was two men that came out who were actually on a smoke break. Um, and they basically blocked my way. They were threatening to sexually assault me. Uh, it was quite frightening. Um but I think for them, it was more of a joke. Um, but I got out of the situation and really recognized, at least also from a public health point of view, that this was something that was going to keep happening. There was going to be other women like myself walking through that area. There was no way for me to let them know my experience or perhaps, you know, let the business know that these were the behaviors of their staff that they should be addressing, um, as well as, you know, potentially that particular route and area also being maybe an area where predators uh, felt that they could get away with these things, um, as well as the technology. So there was quite a few layers in there of 
um, how I felt that it wasn't representative to me. And the further I looked into it, I was certainly not alone. I'm really sorry that you experienced that. And I th- so when did your app actually like start? When did it launch? So yeah, it, it wasn't um, a quick process because I was working um, at um, UCL at the time and didn't have any background in running my own business, let alone a tech business. Um, so I began the process of just trying to surround myself with people who were entrepreneurs um, and start testing the waters um, and building up my own confidence that I could jump into something different and make it successful. Um, uh, so it was about probably from the idea until when I started getting started on it was probably a couple, like three or three months. And then I waited to quit my job uh, once I got into an accelerator that also helped uh, fund the MVP. So we launched in March 2018. And um, yeah. That's so cool that you've just gone and you've tackled a field that you didn't have prior experience. In. And I think that it's incredible that you're using tech to to tackle a gender inequality issue. How does the app work? And does it use testimonies as like data? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Safe in the City is free to download. Um, Right now we do have it, I guess, only within London, although we're looking at doing that and making some exciting announcements um, in the next few weeks. So please, or a few months, so please keep, keep following us. But basically it's an app that works very similar to a navigation app. uh, So you can plot in your destination. Um, to get from point A to point B. Um, And then essentially we have two components. So we have our kind of safety toolkit, which is about getting emergency help. Um, So we have an SOS button if something happens along your journey. We also work uh, in partnership with the police to uh, make sure that if there is a terrorist attack or something very serious, that you're going to get a, a push notification um, in potentially that area that you're walking into or travel into, um, as well as we identify safe sites, um, so physical places that you can go into if you're feeling like you need to get out of a situation. And then we have our, I guess, non-emergency toolkit, which is looking at how do we start to understand and shape technology that works better for different groups of people. So that includes incident reporting, which uh, we've structured around sexual harassment to begin with, and we're expanding out categories to also include different intersections like racism, different hate crimes, homophobia, disability, discrimination, um, the kind of works of things that aren't often reported to the police or to kind of areas as you're walking through them or taking public transit. And then uh, we also have a way that you can rate and score the journey. So how safe it felt for you. So in the case of me, if I had scored that alleyway as really poor, then later on, we're building a way that, um, you know, you would actually be navigating based on more of the routes that you felt safer. And then being able to understand that information can help us bridge that information to actually build, you know, more of what people are wanting or expecting to see or need to feel safer. Uh, So that's how it works. It's an A to B app with safety kind of as your primary means of getting around um, and contributing your experiences so that it's a two-way 
uh, street to building a safer city. Yeah, I think it's so cool. You've also got like these identified safe spaces. You're giving people options when they find themselves in like a difficult situation. And obviously your app has kind of been created in like the wake of Me Too. When you're talking about the incident that happened to you, it's very clear that even though you were in that difficult situation, you could recognize what it was. Does the app clarify what these issues are? Or do you think that this kind of clarification of what constitutes sexual harassment and sexual assault has got to come from more more of a policy and education and that apps such as yours can amplify this message and amplify this understanding? Yeah, it's a really great question. And I guess starting with your your first point, I think that's the power of, um, you know, more diverse founders in tech um, solving problems from a perspective that they can have a relatable problem to. So, you know, I, I, I believe one of my first experiences of sexual harassment was probably when I was about 10. So, you know, it's been decades of uh, life that and likely to continue um, that I've had these types of experiences. Um, and I've been really lucky that um, it has also kind of, uh, I also have a psychology degree. And so it's it has um, pushed me to understand it more and also use that education as a way to hopefully empower and improve the situation. Um, but in terms of the app, uh, we we do, when you are reporting, uh, we have helped classify in a bit of a traffic light system. So red being physical uh, sexual assault, a yellow, amber being a warning um, in terms of verbal um, and nonverbal uh, sexual harassment. And then um, we have a green for more environmental types of um, sexual harassment, like um, indecent exposure. So these are um, ways that we've worked uh, with the police. Um, we, we have done some user research on them so that we have some kind of shaping to it, but then we also have a free text form underneath where you can describe the incident. So you can also have free reign to kind of describe the situation and the experience. And then that helps us to understand, are there missing categories? Are there things that we need to look at? Uh, but generally as a whole, Safe in the City does, we did start and do have the kind of safe site training, which does uh, talk about uh, what sexual harassment is, you know, kind of the gray areas, because I think giving it a language and a set of kind of principles really can help people feel more empowered to share them, as well as, you know, throughout, I guess, our social media and different events and thought leadership pieces, we, we definitely make sure that we're trying to learn from, but also help influence and move um, more people's understanding of how we can use this shared language to actually see more of it in terms of, I guess, a data perspective to use that data to also advocate for larger change. It's the language that is going to make people feel empowered. And that's kind of like the initial step. And I think it's so cool that not only are you doing this app that provides people with immediate ability to respond to what's going on and report what's going on, um, whether that's in their own words or, you know, through the system, but then also you're, you're thinking about like the wider kind of cultural change of how do we actually talk about this? How do we make this accessible to people and empower people to be able to talk about this? Because, you know, not everyone, you know, as you've kind of suggested, not everyone's going to feel comfortable about reporting this kind of thing. You know, the fact that you said that this is something that you've experienced from the age of 10, which is so 
horrific and I'm really sorry but th- th- this is something that for ages w- we haven't been able to talk about so I th- so I have seen your TED talk equality by design which is such an interesting concept and I think we become so accustomed to the way that cities are built that we don't actually necessarily question who who they are built for and this wasn't something I really came across until I read Invisible Women by Caroline Criado Perez I just wanted to ask what have you learned about inequality in the city that has like shocked or fascinated you since starting your app? Oh, it's such a great question um, because there's so many different perspectives that I now have on it. Um, you know, being a founder and CEO, you you take on a lot of different perspectives where it's whether it's trying to fundraise um, or get investment, which we tried for for some time um, and recognizing the inequalities there to kind of working with different private and public sectors to try to address these issues um, to kind of also citywide like um, initiatives. So we've been able to dip our feet into a a number of different aspects, um, including tech, um, which I think, you know, there's just, there's so much of it, just like you've highlighted in Caroline's book in that, you know, really starting to see how things have actually been designed without you in mind is really how we should probably start seeing everything um, versus kind of working on the assumption that it has been designed. And I think that creates such a great opportunity for female entrepreneurs or uh, diverse uh, entrepreneurs because there's such a richness of issues um, from, you know, your particular standing in your particular shoes that you can actually address. Um, And I think by having more people form purpose-led businesses or um, social enterprises like we are, or, you know, charities and movements, the more that we can actually embrace those perspectives and chip away at the problem, then we're actually designing equality into our everyday products or businesses um, or kind of services. Like that becomes the benchmark. And it certainly with um, millennials and, you know, Gen, there's a lot more consciousness about being a consumer or being an app user or, you know, where's the data actually going, um, which is which is fantastic. And I think there is this shift that's happening where, you know, we can't just have lip service to, you know, we care about, you know, Black Lives Matter. It's like, well, prove it. Like, let's see, like, what are you actually doing? Or like, show us your gender, your gender pay gap. Like we Mm. we need to see it because if we're not measuring it, then we're actually not truly addressing the issue. And I think that's one of the benefits of Safe in the City and the, I guess, big vision behind it was that, you know, your everyday navigation app, which most people have on your phone. It's not a separate safety app. It's not a whistle. It's designed for women. Like it, it's something that you anybody could pick up. It's free to use. Everyone should have a right to safety in these spaces. And kind of that maybe advocate perspective that, you know, if it's not there, then you need to, you know, push for it. Um, and that through our everyday movements, we can actually have a powerful effect on designing the spaces and uh, services that we want um, to exist. Yeah, I think I think what you mentioned about the the kind of growing awareness of where our data is going and and our responsibility as a consumer. 
What I thought was really cool about your app, even though I'm not in London, I did manage to check it out a little bit, is that the first one of the first things that comes up is it says, I pledge to share my data and it explains where your data is going and it's incredibly transparent. And I think that that just feels so refreshing and it feels like a really positive shift in in how we are aware of where our data is going. And I think that that's, that's just so, yeah, it's just really interesting. Yeah, and I think to your point, like we're also, when we started out, you know, a lot of people like, oh, but what about those people lying? And, you know, we know generally people who are sharing these are definitely telling the truth. Uh, but this becomes a way to, again, explain like why this is Im- important to share your your truth and your story. Um, and, and, and that we believe you, like we're, we're not going to say no, um, you know, this is wrong. Like we are looking at more of that um, general aggregation of trends. So, so, you know, a one not to say every report is important to us, but, you know, looking at is this reoccurring over time in this particular space is um, more where we can advocate to say, hey, there's actually been a spike of, um, you know, 10 reports on Friday nights that are happening over and over again, then it becomes a much more stronger case that uh, people will take it seriously, unfortunately. But I think that is that power of being able to anonymously report and aggregate that information so that we can see it from that bigger perspective um, and also see the impacts, you know, people moving away from areas because they're rating them unsafe or they've had, you know, different sexual harassment um, incidents and maybe nighttime economy areas like that does show an impact to the businesses and the community. So that's also a really big disconnect of like, well, sexual harassment is just such a, a vague, undefined, you know, societal issue that we have no idea about how we're going to capture it. And I think, you know, we have to get a lot more certain about how we are um, approaching it. And I think at least our approach is one that seems to be working and um, generating kind of more of the impact and getting more people involved in that kind of transparency. Yeah, it definitely seems like your integrated approach is really is really having an impact. And like you mentioned earlier, you're working with the Metropolitan Police with the push notifications. You've also been working alongside UN Women UK. Could you tell us a little bit more about this? Yes. Um, so it, I believe it was it was shortly after we launched, we heard about um, or UN Women approached us actually. Um, and we're really excited about, you know, a bit of this public health approach we were taking to gender-based violence and sexual harassment in different spaces. Uh, so we did a pilot in London that was focused on, again, looking at those trends and really uncovering a lot of what actually the research has said. Um, and again, one of the powerful things about Safe in the City is that we can pull this information in real time. So it's not a survey that, you know, may have taken a year to do and now it's a year outdated. Um, it's something that we can continuously update and improve on, but also see what are the results. And again, look at maybe different strategies, even with researchers to look at how do we kind of better understand this particular situation or particular um, trend or incident. 
for example, we have um, the report that anyone can read on our website. It should be in our banner, but you can also email us or tweet us if you can't find it. Um, but we found some really interesting things. So, you know, verbal sexual harassment was uh, by far the most reported thing that we saw. I mean, again, we are kind of focused on public spaces for the most part. Interesting was that it wasn't necessarily at nighttime as maybe more scores of not feeling safe kind of went up. We saw actually it was more in peak hours of commuting times where sexual harassment most likely happens. So again, it's not kind of only going to happen when you're out at night. It could happen while you're just walking to work um, in the morning or maybe not anymore. But, um, you know, these are, I guess, some of the the trends that we could um, identify and that helps us again to look at what interventions would be more effective. You know, if it's verbal and interpersonal, like I guess offenses, then education seems like a, a first uh, response. Whereas, you know, physical sexual assaults or in, indecent exposure near a school ground is like, well, we need police in this, this right away. So it also can help us. Um, refine the solution and then you know look to monitor to a certain degree is it changing or improving it's incredible that you have this immediate access to information that you can then take action upon um i just wanted to also ask you about your kind of like international upbringing and career it looks like you've worked pretty much all over the world. Uh, how do you think this has informed your vision for the project? And you mentioned earlier about maybe expanding elsewhere. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Like, do you have any plans to take it like nationally or like internationally? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And definitely our big vision is that we can be um, everywhere. The challenge of how we you know, started was really built on relationships and making sure that that information was... Um, going back into the ecosystem to actually generate change that we could measure and talk about. So that became kind of difficult to just put everywhere in the world if we don't know the India police or we don't, you know, have the tools to translate it in China. Like it's, yeah, unfortunately it's a lot more complicated than I wish it was to just be everywhere at once. Um, but Yes, we're currently in London and Berlin, and we are looking at how more our relationship with the police in the UK can be expanded so that at least we have that uh, safety net of information going to people's devices. It's also a very complicated landscape uh, nationally um, to work through. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're making really good progress in that space and actively looking for different partners who can you know, help make sure that we are plugging into the right services. So we're, we're speaking with the Women's Equality Party. There's also the Misogyny as a Hate Crime campaign that we're involved in that's nationwide. So as long as we're looking at kind of partners to plug into, then that's kind of one of our key factors of like where we move next. Um, so we also have a base of people that we can know that are able to support each other. But yeah, I mean, the ultimate goal, um, as you mentioned, I've I've traveled quite a bit and lived in a number, I think, nine countries, um, including Canada, where I was born um, and grew up in, in Yemen, which, you know, was probably 
one of the most unsafest places in the world at the moment with the, the humanitarian crisis that's going on. And I think it's certainly shaped my viewpoint. Um, and again, having an experience of war as a child that very much did impact probably my perceptions of safety, um, probably being a little bit more on the conservative side to begin with. But I mean, naturally, if you've seen my <laughs> trail around the world, you probably wouldn't say that I was risk averse. Um, and I really believe that solo female traveling is one of the best things you can do. I, I certainly know that that's impacted me. Um, and, you know, it's really helped me deconstruct to the perceptions that other people have. For example, when I moved to Uganda, a lot of my Friends and family were really nervous for me. And, you know, I think it probably was one of the countries I felt most quite safe in. So even just going with that mentality, like, you know, how influenced we are from other people's perceptions was was quite interesting to me. And th also the kind of consistent issues that are still um, happening across the world, like, there hasn't really been many places where I haven't felt like I was treated differently because I was a woman um, or, you know, I'd have strangers in Brazil, for example, like you shouldn't be here by yourself. Like this is so dangerous. And that really like it would increase how I feared or it might have changed my behaviors of things that maybe I didn't feel as safe doing. So I think having those experiences definitely helped shape me and it helped create my own, I guess, toolkit of how I felt prepared and safe for different types of experiences. And certainly with Safe in the City, you know, transforming kind of, again, childhood sexual um, harassment into kind of where it is now, where I feel like it's such a catalyst to just release that, like to, to have it like, okay, well, that's a data point for, you know, the police and UN women and so many people that we have now in our networks to action and make a broader change. So it doesn't become your part of the missing piece of the puzzle to help contribute to change it for someone else than, you know, maybe living in this space where you're like, why has this always happened to me? Um, and I really believe that when we're starting to link up more of these things together, then we'll actually be able to do things so much faster. And I think that was also part of the quality by design, like looking at technology of how we can actually scale these ways that we can, you know, positively, positively discriminate or positively understand uh, different perspectives so that we can actually implement those in ways that can change things much faster. You spoke earlier about representation in tech. And I just wanted to ask you, how do you feel, obviously, being within this industry now? Do you feel as though tech companies and institutions typically overlook women's safety? This is a really great question. And certainly when I started in tech, I felt a lot more sensitive to being a woman, like being at the tech conferences and, you know, maybe less than 10% of us being um, women, um, you know, having my own probably doubts of like, well, I'm not quite technical or like I only know a couple languages could make me feel a little bit less like um, own that kind of title. That's something that I feel like I've definitely grown into over time. And I'm very much a champion. I do coaching with um, a lot of other non-technical female founders um, around that because I think it's it's so important that we do um, 
have more women and representation of all groups in that space so that we're not kind of, again, programming the future and AI and all these things with our inbuilt discriminations to scale with it. In terms of technology companies, it's a, it's a really great question. And I think I alluded to it at the beginning that there is definitely a shift that we're seeing. And we're really lucky that we're working with um, Uber at the moment on basically their transparency reporting around sexual harassment. So they've been able to develop a structure to actually take the information of customer service reports um, to to know whether to escalate it or, you know, how they could best address it and showing people, anyone can look at their reports online, what they're doing. And I think there seems to be a little bit more of a nudge. It's not just financial transparency or, you know, pay gap transparency. Like we think that there should be transparency about the interpersonal and and workplace, like toxic workplace, I guess, uh, metrics around sexual harassment and so forth. Um, And it has been an overlooked thing. And, you know, potentially that does come from, again, the, the people creating those technologies. But equally, I think we have a a great moment in time to push, you know, not just COVID change, but we can push a lot more diverse perspectives on this. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm actually, you know, speaking with uh, LinkedIn next, they do report on harassment, but they don't break down any kind of understanding what of sexual harassment on the platform. Um, And again, being able to make sense out of this information is, is something that we're helping to work on with businesses so that, you know, this doesn't get buried under a, a sea of other kind of reports or feedback. Um, it gets prioritized. It gets working with different experts um, and, you know, actually measuring the consequences of not addressing them um, because when you can measure it, then you will see how much damage even to a business or um, talent it will have. It's so cool that you're taking your app and being able to infiltrate these tech giants like LinkedIn. And what are you most optimistic about in regards to your company? Certainly, um, we're really excited about, I mean, we've been very challenged through COVID as many people have been in in companies and organizations. Um, But we're really excited about um, our kind of I3, so it's insights, impact, and influence, and really being able to show not just through our app, but actually um, we're essentially creating a way that other applications can integrate with that safety toolkit and then the kind of non-emergency toolkit so that, again, we have a structure of people feeling that it should be the standard to be able to anonymously report on different experiences, plus you know, making sure that all people have the right to safety in those spaces. So if you do need police help, like, and you don't maybe have a smartphone or, you know, you don't know the address that tools like Safe in the City um, and our technology can actually be across all types of platforms. So we're really excited about some of the things with, you know, dating applications or mobility focused things um, and have a number of influencers in those spaces because, Again, this isn't an isolated thing. If it's a societal problem, like even racism and you know discrimination of of different groups and gender, um, then you know this this will impact all of us um, and all companies. I think we're really excited about that because that will be our way to 
be able to scale a lot faster, uh, as well as embed that value and measurement and have it really turn on its head and that people feel proud to be the leader of these companies because they can actually see and demonstrate to people that it is it is reducing, it is improving. We are trying these different things. We are, you know, running focus groups with people who've had these experiences. It can become a lot more of an integrated value add, not just a service that's about convenience. It can actually change things for everyone's betterment. Being the CEO and founder of your own tech company is just, it's just incredibly awe-inspiring. How how do you like keep going? Like what motivates you to keep going? Yeah, it does build thick skin. Uh, resilience is definitely one of probably not the stated skills or grit to kind of um, that people probably think about entrepreneurs. You may think of, oh, you have to be a really slick programmer or marketeer or I think it actually usually comes down from like your core um, core um, beliefs and values um, and and reasons behind what you're doing. So, I mean, for me, I'm so, I think because it's a personal problem, then that just inherently makes me so invested in it because when I do get catcalled um, or have different experiences, I have Safe in the City. Like it's an app that doesn't, didn't exist. I've still never found something, you know, quite like it out there that um, I have now. Um, and receiving, you know, the reports, like, of course, we're not happy to see people um, experiencing them, but they have a, a place to share them now and a community that supports them and believes them and is working so hard to make that count for so many different things. Um, so that's definitely something that motivates me, you know, that the amount of People like our team is fantastic. They've given so much to this. Uh, we've had so many volunteers over the years as well. Um, and, you know, do have a lot of young people um, that, you know, inherently I just want to mentor and coach and, and have them, you know, try out these things that probably, you know, age or experience level would be a blocker. And, you know, I think that's the power of a, a small team, like you can really try out quite a few things. Um, so there's there's definitely that, but I think that overarching goal of equality um, of all kinds is definitely a lever that I'm I'm very passionate about, and I don't see that changing over the time. Like when Safe in the City hits that you know success, or if you know it moves on to a different it changes hands or, or whatnot, um, I'll be doing something in this space forever. The work that you're doing inspires me. And I just wanted to know who inspires you. If there's a gender inequality activist that inspires you and that you look up to. There's so many. I, I really struggle with these kind of um, questions because there's just so many. Like we follow so many. And because I'm in that ecosystem, I come across people even at events that, you know, maybe they don't have a, a big you know, name, but what they're doing is just incredible. Um, but I, I guess uh, one that I met recently was Meghan Markle. Um, and because she's a UN women ambassador, um, I think she's she's doing some really incredible work. Um, but I also feel like they're they're from all walks of life, like the, the male activists, the, you know, transgender activists, um, all types, like young, old, um, different colors, different cultures, um, different perspectives. I, I'm, 
I'm really inspired. And this is also something I think that motivates me is that just being in that environment um, with other people who are working towards the same results is, is so motivating. And, you know, you're, you're building off of each other's shoulders. Um, so yeah, I, I, I hope that I give you one, but there's so many out there. I, I couldn't even try to name them all. Basically anyone working on it. <laughs> I completely get it. And I think that it just seems like now and potentially it's because of democracy of social media, you see everyone kind of engaging or a lot of people at least engaging in this debate and trying to you know, progress equality further. And you have people like Meghan Markle who, you know, exist in a very high profile way. And then you have people that you meet at events, which is, which is very true. And I think it's really encouraging to see that as someone who's, you know, working with tech to, to kind of bring about equality, you're actually seeing this across the board as well. And I wanted to ask you, what can people do to get involved and where can people follow the project and its progress? Because it seems like there's, you've got so many exciting things coming up. Yes, please do follow. And I mean, fantastic that we were connected on Instagram. So we're most active on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Uh, so you can find us at Safe in the City. Um, we do have Facebook as well, although, yeah, generally haven't been using it as much as the other channels. And yeah, you can find us on www.safeinthecity.com. You can download us if you're in London or you can submit if you're outside of uh, anywhere in the UK or anywhere in the world, you can submit um, a request for the app, which we're monitoring as well. So that, again, if we have a greater community and demand, then we can get there faster. We do accept reports on our website. So there is a live map and that actually does have international and worldwide uh, reports, um, which also makes sure that not only smartphone users can. And yeah, we do have, I guess, newsletters, but I think following us on social or online, uh, you'll get the kind of, you'll get pointed in the right direction. So we'd love to hear from you if you have a group that, again, is comfortable kind of reporting on these different things, whether it's kind of a girl guide group or a university group um, or an activist group or, you know, cat calls group. There's, there's so many ways that you can get involved. If you feel that you are a leader in this space, then we'd love to uh, get to know you and see how we can help work towards the same uh, goals together. Julian, thank you so much. No, thank you, Abigail. Thank you so much. And really great that you're doing all of it that you are. And I'm really, I'm really looking forward to all of the other guests and keep listening to the podcast. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Recognize Red presents Hashtag Discuss. Thanks to Gillian for coming on the podcast. And if you want to check out Safe in the City, I'll leave a link in the notes below. See you next time.